Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I was refused to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for September 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law, the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide, and absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the peaceful, restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. Welcome to the broadcast. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing fantastic. Pete Sepp, National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org, coming up second hour. Brian Rust will be with me here in a few minutes. The Honest Money Report continues every week on your favorite hard-hitting news that I refuse to use talk station, LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. Speaking of LovingLiberty.net, Liberty Hall in far west Utah had an incredible event um, Monday. I had the chance to speak. We celebrated the 25th year anniversary of Liberty Roundtable Live. We had several wonderful, loving Liberty ladies speakers as well. It was just a tremendous time had by all. Dr. Scott Bradley was with me. He spoke as well and broke down the basics of checks and balances and the proper role of limited government. What a tremendous job. I spoke on being at the right place at the right time, the power of miracles, and a clarion call for civility. That's how we roll, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but there's a couple of events coming up at Liberty Hall that I want to make sure you're aware of. Liberty Hall events, ladies and gentlemen, if you can make it, please do. We are excited to announce two more big events coming up at Liberty Hall before the end of the year. You won't want to miss these. Mark your calendars, ladies and gentlemen. The first one is October 1st. The second one is Friday, November 5th. So you got Friday, October 1st. And then you got Friday, November 5th. On the 1st of October, Alex Newman. He's the senior editor of the New American Magazine. He's also author of the incredible new book, Deep State, The Invisible Government Behind the Scenes. He's also co-author of another book, Crimes of the Educators. His presentation on Friday, October 1st at Liberty Hall in Far West, Utah, um, will be about We Can Save Our Children. It'll be informative, helpful to parents, grandparents, and then she says, like Kathy, like herself. <clears throat> we wonder how we can save our children for the Republic and save the Republic for our children. Alex is traveling all the way from the East Coast for this event, so please. Get tickets, lovingliberty.net, and give Alex Newman a warm welcome. <clears throat> anyway, purchase Alex Newman tickets, lovingliberty.net. Now, I'm going to interview Alex in preparation for that as well to try to help promote it. And Anyway, Alex is a dear friend, a great journalist, an incredible writer, and a, 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 I'm just telling you, a gifted speaker. All right, we also want you to join on Friday, November the 5th. At 6 p.m., this will be a special dinner event. 
sponsored by Loving Liberty Ladies at Liberty Hall, featuring author Pam Openshaw, singer Karen Lynn Grant Turley, not to mention artist Kendra Burton. It'll be an evening you won't want to miss, ladies and gentlemen. Details coming soon. Anyway, with much gratitude for your goodness, Kathy Smith. Anyway, president of Loving Liberty. Net, Loving Liberty Network, doing a great job. Anyway, we sure appreciate her. I wanted to give a big old shout out. We'll mention those events as they get closer. October 1st, November 5th, both of them Friday evenings. Take your spouse, take your family, take your friends. I'm just telling you, tremendous event. November 5th will be a dinner. And October 1st will be Alex Newman just breaking it down like nobody's business as Alex Always does. All right, a quick recap of yesterday's broadcast is in order as well. Military admits vaccine shots are causing injuries. Matt Staver, Liberty Council, uh, with that headline. Evil at the highest level. HHS whistleblower says, you know what? There's a cover-up with vaccine injuries and deaths. Yeah. WND.com with that piece. Apple is working on iPhone technology capable of detecting and diagnosing depression. Wow. iPhones of the future may keep tabs on your, quote, mental health. Apple has teamed up with Biogen and UCLA to study depression, anxiety, cognitive decline, the two projects even have their own code names at this point. Apple's partnership with UCLA is dubbed Seabreeze, while the Biogen research is called Pi. Anyway, very scary stuff. Will your phone be turned into a monitor your mood, your health, your stability? All according to their database, their agenda, their reference points. Do you trust them? Wow, I sure don't. Coming soon, ladies and gentlemen, climate lockdowns. Technocrats are preparing mandatory personal carbon allowances. Paul Joseph Watson with that piece. Talking about the pandemic and global warming memes are merging because they are both orchestrated by the exact same alarmist crowd. They're sustainable development ideologues, ladies and gentlemen. The UN Sustainable Development Goals are the same. They want to push for a global reset. Yeah, everyone would be issued with a carbon allowance card. All adults would receive the same amount of carbons that reduces over time in line with, quote, they say national goals, but I think it'll be global targets and goals. Uh, nevertheless, the interesting thing about all this is every adult will have the same, but rich people can buy more from somebody else who can't afford them. So the rich are just going to get a pass on this with their cash. You and I are going to suffer. And if we're in real financial trouble, maybe we'll be forced to sell our carbon credits to the rich and just be homeless. Wow. Anyway, we talked about Republican Texas rep. Guy's name is Brian Babin. And 44 other House Republicans are demanding that the National Archives and Records Administration, NARA is what they call it. it sounds gnarly to me. Anyway, it's NARA. They want them to remove the harmful content warnings from online copies of the founding era documents like the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and the Constitution itself. What a shame 
NARA has literally put warning labels saying racist, xenophobes, homophobes, da-da-da-da-da, about the founding fathers and the documents, warning signs on our, on our supreme law of the land. Can you imagine that going on by an unconstitutional agency called NARA? I appreciate these Congress critters standing up, but unless the people get behind them, it'll go nowhere. All right, we talked about a video sharing platform, TikTok, promotes sexual content to underage youth via its suggestion algorithm. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. Wow, that was our one Liberty Roundtable Live. Hour two, we talked about new COVID variant in the United States. It's called R1. It has infected vaccinated people. And they say it ripped through a Kentucky nursing home. And the bottom line is this one doesn't care about the vaccine. It's smart enough to not even care. R.1, very, very serious. You're not hearing much about it, but it's a coming. Senator Rand Paul says Fauci, quote, myself, meaning Fauci, I would make it just vaccinate or not. Fauci is pushing for a vaccination for all under every circumstance. Rand Paul Senator Rand Paul, I should say, breaks out the warning on that one. Fauci's a whack job. I'm telling you, crazy. We talked about Facebook is exempting certain populations and popular accounts from its platform rules. Wall Street Journal did the uh, analysis and the investigating on this. Um, According to company documents, it's called X-Check, this, com- uh, this company review thing. If you're the average Joe, you just get shut down by auto- automated algorithms. Otherwise, you go to X-Check, which could protect you. Most of Facebook's employees are authorized to add people to the X-Check system, and there's not even a record of who authorized the special privilege X-Check and or why. So it's a disaster on steroids. It's been used to manipulate elections. Remember, incumbent candidates get X-Check and the rest get shut down, see? Facebook magnate Mark Zuckerberg and his wife also gave a nonprofit $400 million to pay election workers, to train poll workers, to rent election locations in on November 3rd in various states. $400 million. And then the X-Check system. And you see that Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook literally has committed vote fraud. You don't need to go down the road of voting machines or anything else to prove this. You just say, hey... If X-Check protects certain candidates and the algorithms, automated AI algorithms shut down opponents, that alone is election manipulation to say the least. And then when you put $400 million in to funding your own people to go ahead and do all these things relating to elections, train poll workers, rent polling locations, it's that, I'm just telling you right now, smacks of vote fraud to me. But no one's even looking at this. They're just saying vote fraud's bogus. And wow, every attorney that's digging into the um, Dominion machines, not true, not true, not true. Well, it is true, ladies and gentlemen. We've been schnookered, and they've managed to get away with it. What a sad tale. The deep swamp. The Gideon robbers tell, huh? Joe Biden declared in July that Facebook and its information was killing people. Of course, he walked back those statements. How come the rest of us don't get to walk back any statements like Joe does, huh? Facebook announced a grant program to fund fact-checking groups combating the spread of what they call climate information. Do you trust them? Wow. Liberty Roundtable live in seconds.
Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years, and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com, MericaFirst.com. Getting the kids to school, cleaning the house, doing the laundry. It seems that the work routine as a stay-at-home mom is never ending. And even though I'm the prime grocery shopper in our family of four, I simply don't have time to scrutinize all the labels on the countless food products I buy. Oh, sure, I've noticed all the latest certification seals. Organic, non-GMO, gluten-free. It definitely seems to be the latest craze. But it was only recently that kosher certification seals caught my attention. You see, my husband had me download an app called Certified, and it shed light on a century-old certification in that slipped under the radar screen from the majority of our public. I also noticed a question mark at the end of the app name, and that makes great sense as there's far more questions regarding this industry than answers. In fact, the developers refer to this as the kosher question. Sure, I'm a busy mom and didn't pay attention to our food culture, but now I have transparency, a convenient grocery list feature, and the ability to eat in favor of my family's best interests, and you can discover it too at thekosherquestion.com. All right, a research group, ladies and gentlemen, what they call cyber security researchers, found that thousands of fake China accounts use dozens of social media platforms to mobilize protests in Asian Americans. And so now you got Facebook literally creating an X-check system to reward their favorites, literally committing voting uh, fraud with their system blocking the rest of us. Now we find out more and more and more just fake accounts everywhere. And the question is, were these fake accounts allowed to continue? Were they special X check accounts or were they shut down or were they just somehow in the middle doing their dirty work? Huh? Just wondering Facebook and TikTok and Twitter literally peddling the most porn, the most perversion and the most insurrectionist content. Uh, in the world while they then shut down the rest of us for, quote, fake news. Wow. All right, Nicki Minaj slams America's fixation on cancel culture following vaccine controversy compares country to communist China. Now, Randy Jackson threw his support behind Nicki Minaj following her post about how people should pray about the COVID-19 vaccines, not get bullied. Now, I'm not really a fan of Nicki Minaj because she's a rapper. She has some very pornographic music. She uses the word, well, the N-word, kind of a twist on the N-word, though, because, you know, you can say it two different ways depending on who you are, I guess, right? Anyway, all I'm telling you is that, um, so I'm not really a fan of hers, but in this case, I am a fan. She basically said, look, I'm not taking the vaccines. I've heard of people getting harmed by it. I'm not doing it. Now, don't be bullied into do this. Say a prayer. 
based on your prayers, decide if you should take it or not. And she's being absolutely slaughtered uh, for this. I got it. This is, again, um, and we're going to introduce Brian Rust, RustQuentinGift.com. This is an example, Brian, where I, you know what? I don't pick sides. I'm not just going to down Nikki for the things that she does wrong. I've already articulated what I think she's doing wrong and what I think should be done to correct it. But I bring this up because when people are right, I give them credit because it's based on principle. When she says pray and then decide if you should take the vaccines or not, don't get bullied. She's a thousand percent right, Brian. Uh, you're right on, Sam. That's uh, very interesting. You know, imagine that. Say a prayer. Wow. That's That's got to be, uh, they probably didn't see that coming from her, but I, I think that's all. Awesome. that. I heard that, and that's interesting. And all I'm telling you is they're beating her up, though, for it, too. Why don't they go, you know what? Nikki's right for a change. But why can't they just admit the truth? It isn't about people. It's about principle. It's about education. It's about, you know what? Embrace that which is good and right. Make popular that which is honorable. Reject and make unpopular that which is evil. Can't we just do that every time? Why do we have to pick people on sides and, and just double down in hatred all the time? Can't we just stand up and say, you know what? That's wrong. I don't like that, and here's why. That's wonderful. That's right. I love it. I'm backing it. Can't we just do that? Boy, I wish. I wish we could do that. I mean, that'd, that'd be wonderful if we could get back there. I mean, it's it's just not their agenda. And as they get caught, they move to another thing. And if they get caught, they that they, they do this. They they speak out of both sides of their face. And then they get caught, and then they move to something else. Instead of really kind of you know the good, they they just they just don't want to have any good. You know, it's almost you know here's Satan's plan, and we're driving it. And so. You know, I don't, we, we don't care what you think. We don't believe in your God. We don't, you know, you know, it's, it's, we're just going to, you know, control you and, and tell you what you need to do. And da, 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 we just keep moving down that path. And, and, I, you know, I think, I think one of the things I was talking to somebody uh, yesterday, the day before at the shop and so on, and, and, and we just kind of thought, man, you know, when we saw truth out in front of us where we could make a educated uh, uh, oh shoot! I was stuck. Educated, uh, saying based on the news that we see, real news, you know, then things can change and so on. But we can't even get, you know, because a lot of people turn on the tube. Unfortunately, you're trying to find it on the internet, whatever. But if we could get the truth, like you're trying to preach and you're trying to bring forth, boy, if we could get that out there, the whole world it would change. There would be some big change, but we don't. We see we don't we don't get any of the truth. We see what they want us to, you know, drive us down this path. Uh, other than a few of you that are really trying to push, you know, uh, the good, and uh, you know, we just don't see it. And when we do see it, yeah, I think big changes can be done. Yeah, people would be running around committing random acts of kindness, and they just melt <laughs> right on down. People would That's wake right. up in the morning and be all cheerful, and then everybody'd be like, "Oh my gosh, what are you so cheerful about?" And it'd just be right. horrible, wouldn't it, Brian? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it's right. It's like, what on earth is going on? We should be wow. grateful when others succeed, ladies and gentlemen. We should be appreciative when others use their talent to promote good and right and morality. And you know what? When Nikki says to pray, amen. We should pray, not only about the vaccines, but about all kinds of things. And so anyway, it just kind of baffles me and shocks me to no end about how they just attack, attack. Now she starts talking about sex stuff and uh, black people and, and using words that nobody else is allowed to say and and men uh, and, and, and exploiting women. That You know, they're all ready to clap. And, join. you know, it really reminds me of what Kanye West talked about is, hey, man, that music industry is just full of satanic 
uh, influence. And, and so if they do, if she does that, they're just going to applaud her. I mean, she probably deserves, you know, an award, um, you know, right. some kind of a whatever at the Grammys or a this or a that. Or, and if she's like, hey, you know, I think you should really pray that they're like, no, what, what is wrong with you? And I'm just thinking the opposite. So, anyway, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, back to our Honest Money Report with Brian Rust, RustQuinnandGift.com. Where's gold sitting, sir? Uh, gold's, uh, the paper uh, price today is 1767.10. 1767.10. And where's that compared to before? So oh, it's up about, from last week, we're probably up 10 $10. All right, well, we'll take what we can get, right? <laughs> That's right. All right, uh, Silver? Silver is twenty two seventy seven, and does that change much? That's down probably about thirty, yeah, thirty forty cents. All right, that tells cents. me it's time to buy silver, sir. Yeah, the, the, you know the thing is though, I mean, yeah, I mean I agree. Every time, every day, is a good day to buy some silver, just a you know preparation, like I always say, you know, peace, peace is preparing, and uh, but uh, yeah, it's down. Yeah, that manipulation. It's just a you know. Here's the thing. I mean it's we look at okay why is this dropping or why is this well as we talked about before it's it's that manipulation that uh, you know controls this market and you know the dollar's sure showing some strength we've got some strength going in the dollar i mean the economy's looking great everything's just beautiful and and uh, i don't know i think their heads are in the sand but uh, that's what they tell us yeah they got a bridge going to know <laughs> to nowhere there. Um, so, Brian, I want to talk about a principle that I think people really need to understand. <clears throat> and that is average cost of things. You know, a lot of people are going, oh, I'm not buying silver. You know, when I was a kid, I bought mine for four bucks an ounce or 12 bucks an ounce or whatever it is. And now it's 22. And man, that's kind of high, you know. And <clears throat> But I want to do this average costing because if I buy five ounces at five bucks, five ounces at 10 bucks, five ounces at 15 bucks, Five ounces at twenty bucks. Five ounces at whatever it is I can get it now for twenty-seven or thirty bucks or whatever it be. I look at that and all I got to do is total my ounces and, and keep track of what I bought it for. And if I keep track of the ounces and what I bought it for, I can eventually. All you got to do is keep track of the numbers and total it up and buy, divide by the number of ounces to get your average cost of silver of um, silver or gold purchasing. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because I think oftentimes if you buy gold and silver just a little bit every month or a little bit every week or a little bit every paycheck or whatever cadence you um, deem fits your financial you know, planning and, and, and circumstances, then you can really start to um, gain ground. But you'll find over time that you do a lot better than you think you do. You might be buying some now and going, golly, 30 bucks, that's crazy. It's probably not going to be that high for a long time. Historically, it hasn't been forever that high. And But you got to back into that average costing and average um, purchase over time to really realize what your real costs are. And I bring that up because oftentimes it's better than what people think they are, number one. Uh, and number two, you'll kind of be a little bit surprised at how um, steady growth really wins the race. Brian? Yeah, you're right on, Sam. You know, that average cost, you, you know, you you know, it kind of perhaps brings your cost maybe down or whatever, or, or a better scenario. But the, the key is, is, is you've gotten yourself into a habit of, of putting away some, some real money, you know, real, real uh, solid money. And I, you know, and, and kind of the biggest question, I guess, uh, for that nest egg that you're trying to, you know, do and, you know, or so on, or, 
the investment and so on. The question is the why. You know, why why would we want to put away a little silver? Why would we want to put away a little gold? And I kind of I kind of come back to the fact of okay, well, let's look at history. I know the world doesn't want to look at history. That's a big wow. No, don't do that. But the why is the fact of you know you're you're covering your bases. If they devalue our currency, if they you know if if hard times come or if it, you've got this nest egg, you put yourself in a position that you don't have to panic. It's kind of that peace of mind, as I said. It's all about stability, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Rust, RustQuentingGift.com, Rust Gold and Silver in seconds. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. With President Biden's open border policy, the infiltration of the U.S.-Mexico border has never been dire. As thousands and thousands of Haitians are illegally entering the United States, Democrat lawmakers on Wednesday urged the Biden administration to suspend deportation flights to Haiti. As severely outnumbered Border Patrol agents on horseback attempt to keep the line, since there is no wall because of current leadership, the White House is focused on mistreatment. Jen Psaki at the lectern. The horrific video of the CBP officers on horse on horses using brutal and inappropriate measures against innocent people. Time is short as funding for federal agencies runs out on 1 October. Democrat Senator Dick Durbin said the chamber sometime next week will take up the bill passed by a partisan House vote. Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell has said if Democrats want to suspend the $28.4 trillion federal debt ceiling, Democrats will have to do it alone. USA Radio News. Are you on Medicare or soon to go on? Some important news from Newsmax. The Medicare Board of Trustees just released a report saying it will run out of money in 2026. It's happening sooner than imagined. All this week, Grant Stinchfield reveals the shocking story of Medicare abuse. He talks to the insiders, tells you what happened, and shows you how you can protect your insurance. Watch Stinchfield's Medicare abuse series on Newsmax at 8 p.m. Eastern. Newsmax is America's fastest-growing cable news channel. It's on every major cable system. Just check your cable guide. If your cable system doesn't carry Newsmax, call your operator or switch to a service that does. Get Newsmax on most streaming services or download the free Newsmax app on your smartphone. It takes just seconds. Newsmax covers the big stories you need to know. Medicare is in real trouble. Get the facts about your insurance. Watch Stinchfield on Newsmax tonight. As Americans are getting back to air travel, airports around the country are getting thumbs down from flying consumers. Tim Berg from the Phoenix USA Radio News Bureau explains. Although more travelers are returning to the skies, their satisfaction with airports is on the decline. A new J.D. Power study found travelers are upset with the limited food and retail options at airports across the country. This comes as many struggle to find employees. Travel intelligence lead at J.D. Power, Michael Taylor, says travelers were happy with any shops or restaurants being open in the height of the pandemic, but now they expect full service at the airport. One of the country's largest airports, Miami International Airport, has the most satisfied travelers. Meanwhile, the John F. Kennedy International Airport and Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport round out the top three. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, 
I'm Tim Berg. We are USA Radio News. And we are Liberty Roundtable Live, ladies and gentlemen. Hard-hitting news and network reviews to use always. At your fingertips, Brian Rust with me, RustQuinnandGift.com, doing a phenomenal job. We're talking about the Honest Money Report, ladies and gentlemen. Gold, 1700 6710 Silver, 22.77. Uh, how much does it take to get a Silver Eagle Silver round, though, Brian? Uh, those are still running around the $34, $35 range. And how much for a Silver Eagle Silver dollar? Kind of a specialty premium. Well, that's not- yeah, that's the silver eagle doll. The, okay. the round, if you were, you know, the rounds right now are running about the twenty-seven and a half uh, area. So yeah, it's it's four four and a half dollars higher than what this paper's telling you. Amen to that. All right, Kurt needs to know about rhodium. He called me and said, "Repent, get, get rhodium out there now." <laughs> right. uh, uh, rhodium jumped. Uh, it's back up to fifteen thousand three. It was twelve five. Whoa! Last week, so it's yeah, a little a little more on the hike. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing about rhodium, I can't remember who was telling me. Somebody was saying something was rhodium covered or something like that. And they're like, man, I told them how much rhodium costs. And they're like, man, we just need to get that and then just scrape. Up. Oh, it was it was certain rings, certain um, rings from jewelers yeah, jewelry. have right. rhodium, I guess, coating on the outside of it or something. Right. And uh, so then they're like, yeah, we just need to take our ring in and just scrape off the rhodium and then take our ring back and say, golly, <laughs> it got all scuffed up. And we got to... <laughs> And the reason I bring up that story, Brian, is because it just shows people realize true wealth, don't they? Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's exactly it. No doubt about it. You know, it's interesting to, to to look at. You know, as I was saying a little bit before, you know, I thought the good times were supposed to be rolling forward. You know, I mean, that was kind of this president. Oh, the good times are going to roll and so on. But they are. I you just missed it, Brian. Yeah, I, I guess I missed it. <laughs> That's right. I, I had my hand in the, head in the sand, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, you're saying, though, it's interesting, though. They act like the good times are rolling. Yeah, and, and yet, you know, uh, the reason we, we're really – I get back to the why of why we want to put metal away and that peace of mind, basically. Well, let's let's start looking at the why. Your supply chains are uh, utter chaos. Uh, container ships are out there. You know, a container, basically, that's uh, is now costing, what, $25,000 to – to get across that uh, yeah and by the uh, way just in perspective they used to cost like four thousand dollars now they're 25 some are even saying 30 35 40 depending on yeah you know and 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 that's you know you start looking at all these things you know and 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 then you start okay well you know auto dealers why why are they uh cutting production and so on well they can't get chips or they can't get parts well that's funny can't we make our own parts well i guess we could have if we would have bought that 67 chip maybe or something but Today you got to have a chip, and you got to have this, and that all comes from China, or that all. Come. I mean, you start looking at this whole thing unwind, and you start to, okay, well, gosh, the trucking companies—they'll move the stuff. Well, yeah, they can't get the stuff, to, you know, and the rail, the rail lines, the railways, you know. Well, then the stuff. trucker, and then the trucker says, "Well, I'm not getting the vaccines," and then the trucking company says, "Well, you're fired then." <laughs> That's right. All right, so now we don't have a trucker to move the parts we don't have to go ahead and. You know, we get the chips we can't get to go. You know, wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Well, well, let's put them on the railroad. The railroad, well, they're over backlogged, so they're not moving much stuff. And your nurses, they do not, they're not getting the shots, so they, they're fired. So now and no babies. You, you see the ripple effect, and we think, yeah, should we prepare for something? Probably. 
<laughs> or borders. Hey, let's open those up. That's, and I talked to people about ordering a shed for a project that I'm working on, and they're like, yeah, we can't get steel. I'm like, there's hardly any steel on that thing. It's 90% wood. And they're like, yeah, but we need steel. You don't want it to leak, do you? That's right. And so I'm just like, okay, good point. Flashing. And they're just yeah. like, you know, it's only a little bit, but we have to have it. Yeah, it's Duct only tape. a little bit of rhodium on that ring, ladies and gentlemen, but you got to have it in there. That's it's only right. a little bit of honest money, but it is sure be nice to have it. Uh, That's right. So we wow. wait for chaos, and then we – I mean, well, you look. I mean, I look at, you know, Venezuela or whatever, you know, third richest country in the world. I mean, I bet they, you know, those those that didn't want to wait in line there and thought things were going to – are okay are probably ones that prepared years before, right? And so that's kind of the, the key. That's the why. All right. The why is, ladies and gentlemen, that it's stability. The why is it's safety. The why is a little bit at a time. And I've been telling everybody, put a little plan in place, work on it monthly. I used to do that all the time. I've kind of got away from it. i got to repent and get back to it ASAP. And I urge you, my fellow Americans, to do the same. All right, I've got a story that I want to talk to you about, Brian. And I want to get your opinion on this story. Now, when they had the J6 rally the other day, I told everybody not to go. I said, I don't know what's going to happen at it, but it's, it's probably a setup. It's not good. Don't go. And I did that because I don't want to encourage my listeners to get in any trouble. And I did that because I just felt like um, it was going to be a dud and not turn out very well. Or if a lot of people turned out, there'd be a lot of uh, provocateurs inserted in there by who knows who. Uh, our enemies, whether they be government enemies or whatever. And, and so I told people not to go. And I was kind of critical about the leader of it a little bit on the radio. And I guess I want to a little bit stand corrected and admit that. Now, very few talk show hosts will do that. They'll just double down and tell you why they're right. I'm just telling you that I missed a, an interesting, um, I don't know, focus on this that I want to kind of articulate for everyone. And so um, I was wrong to a great degree about it. Even after the fact, I said, look, nobody showed up, no big deal, whatever. And I was right about not very many people showing up. But I was wrong about the possible uh, long-term reality of this and the value of what they accomplished. Okay? So let's, let's just put it that way. Uh, I want to brief Brian on this, and then we'll talk about it. But here's the story. Joseph Farah, he's the owner of Leader of WorldNet Daily. Well-known guy. Trust him, like him, think he's a great person. Joseph Farah lauds justice for J6 rally. Reiterates call for one-year effort by, deplora, by deplorables. Occupy D.C.'s dress rehearsal is what he's now calling it. And here's what he says. Washington, and so it begins. On Friday, I shared my thoughts about how to build a visible movement against Joe Biden's terror program. And I watched a picture-perfect demonstration of it already on Saturday. A group of several hundred peaceful protesters gathered near the Capitol and were met by a heavy police presence meant to protect from another insurrection, just as I predicted. This was a demonstration seeking justice for J6. That's a reference to the January 6th Capitol fracas that made its point effectively amid beef up security and cops in full riot gear not to mention National Guard fencing 
This was a start of what I proposed for the occupation of Washington every day, commencing later this year and continuing through the midterm elections next year. Think of it, an Occupy D.C. movement by the deplorables. It's rich. Do you remember Occupy Wall Street? This should be the polar opposite. They had just the right tone on Saturday. The event began with prayer, with the Pledge of Allegiance, and with the National Anthem. What a contrast to the mayhem of the left. Matt Brainerd, founder of Look Ahead America, had the right approach. We condemn all violence, political violence, Brainerd said as he organized the rally. I'm demanding that you are all respectful and obedient to police officers today, he said. In fact, I'd like to start off. Can we please have a round of applause for the main police officers? Perfect. Then speakers talked for about 90 minutes and condemned anyone who committed violence on January 6th. 2021. Then they called for justice for dozens of people who were arrested in the wake. What Nancy calls an infamous insurrection. Many people who did not commit violence still remain in jail nine months later. This is not about President Trump, Brainer said. It's not about Joe Biden. It's not about the election even. It's not about what you think happened with the election. This is about justice and equal treatment under the law. Brainerd pointed out that violent protests on the left from Antifa in Portland, Oregon, to those who stormed congressional offices and office buildings to them protest Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh, none of them were prosecuted. These protesters, he said, were bailed out same day, including by Kamala Harris. But by contrast, some of those jailed after January 6th still remain in solitary confinement. Those attending the rally called for transparency and a release of hours of video on January 6th. They have 14,000 hours of video. They're saying we want to get to the bottom of the transparent truth of what really happened. Release the video the the crowd chanted. Equal justice or no justice. We're going to raise our voices in defense of our fellow Americans who had their rights and due process violated, said Brainerd, who called these individuals political prisoners. We're going to raise our voices demanding justice for Ashley Babbitt and for the government to come clean on whatever involvement the FBI had on January 6th. Quick pause, more in seconds. Brian Russ with me on your radio. If Planned Parenthood were what they publicly declare themselves to be. They would welcome transparency. We all know why they hide, because we know what they hide. We can confirm federal judges who follow the Constitution rather than reverse engineer their preferred policy outcomes. The truth about abortion is spreading because of advances in medical imaging, because of brave journalists, tireless activists, compassionate doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals. The rising generation of young Americans is the most pro-life in decades because they know too. And one day soon, we will reaffirm our nation's principles in their dignified fullness and avow once again 
that all men are created equal. All are entitled to life. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. So the J6 rally event began with prayer, the Pledge of Allegiance, and the National Anthem. What a contrast to the mayhem of the left. Do you see an insurrection? Kara Kostronyanova, I think I'm saying her name right, founder of Citizens Against Political Persecution, said at the rally, do you see an insurrection? Who watched the news this week? Who read the media? Who was terrified to come here? Shame on the people in the media and in the system that put fear in the hearts of the American citizens to stay home and not come out. Many of whom have called me and messaged me worrying about me and my life and said, please don't go. We want you to be safe. What kind of America has this become when people are afraid to come out and protest? She asked. This is a peaceful protest. At the event's conclusion, Brainer asked the crowd to leave promptly and orderly, and encouraged them to thank the police for the support as they departed. So there you have it, a job well done. Remember, Joseph Ferris says, I was suggesting that Occupy DC begins with the planning around November 1, 2021, and ends in the electoral vote. But you know what? I'm delighted to see a dress rehearsal for the idea. Congrats to these people who put this together. Let me know what you think of the plan. Let's start the buzz, says Joseph Farah. Now, I want to be a little cautious here because when they say shame on us for fear, I'm not really fearful. I want to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. I want to be peaceful, and I believe that provocateurs are the ones who destroy it. But if they claim there was an insurrection on January 6th, now that they've come back and they acted like it was going to be the same thing, and it was a picture-perfect example of what should happen, there just wasn't very many people there to show up. Brian, what do you think? Do you think that we're right to say let's back away from some of these protests? Or do you think we need to double down, as Joseph Ferris says, and occupy D.C. for a whole year peacefully? Yeah, that's interesting. I I think we we would love to say, yeah, let's, let's, uh, you know, you know, go to these rallies and, and, and gain support and be there for the year and so on. The, prob- the problem is we get fearful because because the agenda of the left is kind of to, you know, uh, is to maybe to, to cause these activities like we saw uh, prior to, to civil unrest and disturbance and destruction. And, and uh, you know, it seems like a peaceful and there's a lot of good people. I look at these rallies around here in in Utah and so on, they, they're they're peaceful, but there's always that group that kind of wants to come in and 
hey, we can we can change this in a hurry and cause it, and we can blame this side. So we we have that fear because you know they come in and infiltrate and do the damage, and then it's kind of blamed on those that are really trying to do a good thing. And and then, like you say, they're thrown in jail; they can't get out of them, and and they have video that shows, but it seems like a double standard. Well, and I so. You know, I, I say I stand a little bit corrected because it was a peaceful event. Nothing went wrong, and I'm grateful for that. Sometimes I'm almost convinced that our enemies, that the provocateurs allow it to go peaceful like this in an attempt to lure us out further and have more people go in than for it to go wrong like a Charlottesville or go right. wrong like some of these other things. And so I don't want to be fearful, but I want to also talk about this protest term. Hey, we all need to get out and protest. If you read your Bill of Rights, ladies and gentlemen, and you read the First Amendment, it says you have a right to peacefully assemble. It doesn't talk about protest. And I know people are going to go, Sam, you're just talking semantics there. No, I'm not. I think there's a difference in peacefully assembling and protesting something. Uh, Because then you say, well, what's the difference between protest and, um, well, what do they call that when you do civil disobedience? Well, civil disobedience, protest with civil disobedience now. Well, I know a couple people rioted, but, you know, not the rest of us. Uh, what I mean is, where's that line, Brian? And that's right. kind of the real concern here. And so I don't mean to, I know they say shame on those who are peddling fear about this. I don't mean to peddle fear. I do mean to promote wise, appropriate caution. Right. That's exactly right. You're, you're right. And, 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 and how I, to balance I think, that, I don't know, Brian. No, that's exactly right. And so so I, I think that's it. And, and the twist the twist, if there, if anything does go wrong, I mean, what what does the media kind of come out? I mean, right now we have no no voice that's really uh, um, this this left media. They just have all this control as far as the TV and all that you know, and the and what they push out there uh, on their agenda. That if it does a little something does go wrong, boy, you hear the negative real fast, and it's paraded all across everywhere, you know, and that that that. Uh, you know, when it does go wrong, boy, I'll tell you, they let you know about it in a big hurry. But if it's good, if there's good things out there, you, you hardly hear about it. So, I don't know. That, that's kind of the, we, we have to be a little fearful, I guess. Well, that's right. And, and we don't want to be full of fear, but at the same time, we do want to be very cautious. And, you know, if we could really depend on the police to do their job, if we could really depend on, you know what, if, uh, if a million people came to the peaceful rally January 6th of Donald Trump and 100,000 went to the Capitol, and, you know, they've only arrested maybe five or 600 people, most of, of which did not commit any violence or anything else. If you really boil it down to the violent few, the few who um, assaulted people or uh, created violence or vandalism, you'd probably be down to maybe 50 people or less. Yeah. And what really needs to happen is the rest need to be let go and say, we know you're not insurrectionists. We know that's a bogus charge, um, you know, peddled by the left. The truth is these 50 people did commit crimes and need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And, and there, there you go. I would have respect for it. The problem is when you look at a Charlottesville, even when Donald Trump said there was good people and bad people on both sides, the bad people are wrong on both sides, they slaughtered President Trump for that statement. Right. But the truth is that's right. And the truth is that if we could have the cops do what they're supposed to do, if they would have literally kept um, the peace in Charlottesville, but the cops literally backed off and egged on the Antifa and the left, and the communists and the, and the socialists to the point where, hey, it went all wrong. Well, I believe a lot of that same thing happened in D.C. Where's the 14,000 hours of reality check on this thing? Well, they don't want to give it to us. I got a question. Why? 
So you look at this, though, and if we could be uh, count on our government and our police and those who represent us to do their jobs properly, I don't think we'd be in this concern mode. And so I don't mean to be fearful, but I also don't want things to go wrong. How do you strike that balance? Well, I think you first teach people that you don't have a really a right to protest. You have a right to peacefully assemble. And you can right. say those are the same thing, but I, I disagree. I think if you're not very careful, the slippery slope of protest versus civil disobedience versus riot versus, well, we didn't kill anybody. We just vandalized versus, well, now there's raping and killing and plundering. And, well, we never meant it to go that far. But, you know, how do you deal with that? And I think we need to keep in mind this peaceful assembly idea to where we can assemble peacefully. How do we ensure that it remains peaceful? And the only answer that I know of is to depend on those who we've elected, sheriff's departments and police officers and et cetera, et cetera, to do their duty. And when that's not happening, I don't know that we can peacefully go to a venue and count on enough stability for it to go well, for it to go right. I'm grateful the J6 rally went right. I'm really grateful. Uh, but I would be very careful now if we can have a small contingent that goes to D.C., and keeps up the, quote, vigil all year long. And we work it out with the police officers and the Capitol to where we know we don't get infiltrated and betrayed. Then I think it's a fantastic idea. My fear is the betrayal. Look, the FBI is, <clears throat> has been doing this forever to patriots. Look, infiltrate them. Act as provocateur. Then when it goes wrong, the FBI folks melt back into the ether from where they came from. And the patriots take the beating. We've got to jettison that agenda as well. So anyway, those are my thoughts. I stand a little bit corrected. I'm grateful they started with prayer. I'm grateful that they had a Pledge of Allegiance and the National Anthem. I'm grateful that they were able to thank the police and it went really well. And that's great. But I'm not sure how we can ensure that more rallies go well. And the bigger the rally gets, the greater chance of betrayal. Brian? Yeah, you, well said, Sam. I mean, that's exactly right. A peacefully assemble is, is I think, is a is a key word there. You know, and and and, and there's so many good people trying to do a, the you know the right thing and so on, and yet you know you get a few. It's just it's like everything. I mean, we're we're human beings. We're not perfect. We try to, but but there's always those that want to to uh, cause a cause havoc or you know like you know it's the opposition that we live in, right? Uh, you know, good versus evil and and that so there's always that so yeah i think we need to be careful you know but but you know it, it would be nice if we if we could have a voice and that we could see you know as our constitution talks about that you know there's that we have the right to do these things and and uh peacefully assemble and and so on and yet that that we that the rights are are shown and, and not uh um the wrong shown basically in saying, well, we're not really giving you rights. Well, we have the rights for this. It says here, well, we don't really look at that. We're not going to allow you. I mean, I think back the, the name that came to me, LaVita, I think you had LaVita in her shop and she was there. Yeah, at it's that. LaVita McFarquhar. La, yeah. LaVita. So she was there and she said, well, we didn't do that. We, you know, we didn't. Yeah. I got up here and I did, but I, we didn't, and, you know, but they don't really give them a voice. They don't give, they give the ones that have caused havoc and, and wreck and, and that, and, and they let them kind of, you know, have the voice or we, we, well, you didn't really mean to do any of that, but boy, you guys really meant to do that. No, we didn't. We didn't mean to, but we don't get a voice. And I think that, that really, that's the careful part of it. We, we have to be careful because they twist it. And we've seen that going forward. It's like everything, the border, they've twisted it. The border's just fine. Like, okay, really? But, but see, it's that twist. And until the truth really comes out, 
you, you just you, you, if you're listening to the news and and you, you, you the, the, it, it says well everything's fine at the border or ever this is great or we don't have this the economy's looking great and the and, and that's why honest money when I get back to that is the fact of the reason it's depressed well there's a lot of whys and uh, anyway it's just like this same thing but you 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 said it well Sam I don't want to digress there well thank you and I will say this too that I want to really kind of hammer home. I think we're better off having indoor events instead of outdoor events. They're easier to control. I think we're better off having rallies across the country with a small entrance fee to cover some of the costs to attend. That gets rid of a lot of the riffraff and the, uh, you know, people. And you kind of, when you do that, you get people's names and you kind of know who attended a little bit. And Right. And I know a lot of people would be like, Sam, that's not good. But I think it is. And I think we really need to kind of consider having a little bit more controlled, peaceful assemblages, if that's a word. <laughs> and we need to really, uh, in my opinion, do things that, I don't know what word to use for it, but can give us a greater likelihood of stability and safety, but at the same time, carry out what we want, which is to peacefully assemble and not be in fear uh, in doing so. I think it's really critical that we do that, and I think it's possible if we put ourselves uh, in a situation to control the environment better. I really think that's the key, Brian. Yeah, I think you're right. That, that, I, I agree. Um, and well, I know no. people don't really understand uh, a lot of this, ladies and gentlemen, but we really need to work at this. Okay, for example, they say now thousands of Haitian migrants were released into the United States, ladies and gentlemen. Thousands of them were released into the United States. In my opinion, that's criminal. Yeah. Imagine they were released that. on a very, very large scale, including thousands of people, they say. Well, where do you go from here with that? So the thousands of Haitian migrants can come in. We don't even know what illnesses they have. They might be spreading the COVID virus. Who knows? Uh, and that's all over the place. But yet, hey, they're going to make it hard for us to peacefully assemble. Right. We've got to take control of this, ladies and gentlemen. And the only way Americans can do that is with their greater numbers. And controlling the environment and the circumstances enough to ensure that everything we do remains peaceful. So that people don't get deceived thinking we're the provocateurs when it's not the truth. Be very careful. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves is what I say. Peace. The Prince of Peace is the key. Thanks, Brian. God save hey, the Republic. Broadcasting live. From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk, radio Show. Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for September 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two, and we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth, ladies and gentlemen. Last hour, we talked to Brian Rust, rustquinnandgift.com, rustgoldandsilver.com. 
about the Honest Money Report, where gold and silver was sitting in a whole lot more. We also talked about this incredible article in WND.com, WorldNet Daily, where Joseph Farah basically is saying, hey, the J6 rally went really well. It began with prayer, the Pledge of Allegiance, the National Anthem. They thanked the police. What a contrast to the mayhem of the left. And that's great news. And anyway, Joseph Farah is saying, hey, we got to go ahead and sit at the Capitol and, and, and do a Washington, D.C. kind of sit-in for the next year till the next election. Peaceful as all get out, and it would be tremendous. This was a dress rehearsal for that. All I know is, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have a right to protest. We have a right to peacefully assemble. And I personally um, understand what Joseph Fair is saying, and I, I wish it could be uh, peaceful, but bad actors seem to destroy the apples sometimes. And we need to be really careful about that. I propose indoor rallies where people have a ticket to attend. They sign up ahead of time or at the door. They uh, can pay a little fee to cover some of the costs. And that way it's a whole lot safer to w make sure we truly have peacefully or that we're truly peacefully assembling. Anyway, just my two cents on the matter, ladies and gentlemen, to kind of wrap up and reiterate the last hour. If you want to listen to the last hour, please do. It'll be up after the broadcast today. Uh, but I really wanted to demonstrate, at least in this hour, the understanding of we follow the Prince of Peace, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we want to be peaceful. We don't need an insurrection. We don't need a revolution. We need a restoration. We just need to return to what made America great in the first place, right? Good, honest Americans obeying the supreme law of the land, using the checks and balances. That's where it's at, baby. Anyway, I wanted to make sure that it was clear in this hour, too, of what we're saying and what we're not saying. All right, on to other topics. Pete Sepp, National Taxpayers Union President, on your radio, the voice of American taxpayers. Welcome back, sir. Great to be here. Man, we've got so much to cover. <laughs> not enough time to cover it. But, man, we're sure going to try. So while everybody else is kind of tied up with, you know, coronavirus stuff or economic, you know, whatever, no jobs or too many jobs or, well, there's, you know, nobody, there's a big unemployment number, but yet all the jobs are full and price wages are going up. And let's start there about wages. I don't know how caught up the American people are on this, Pete, but wages in the last year or six months, maybe have literally gone up substantially, sir. It's shocking. Yeah, that's actually good news for a lot of Americans who want to see this economy finally recover and stabilize. That, I think, is an important point, Sam, in the sense that we have seen tremendous economic growth since the trough of the pandemic, maybe middle of last year. But, of course, can it hold? And when you're in a trough and you crawl out, well, of course, everything looks a lot sunnier. That doesn't necessarily mean you are back to the point you were before you hit the trough. And so federal, state, and local government policies can either help make that economy more stable and the recovery more stable, or it can hurt things really badly. And in the hurt category... We have most of what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now, and that's why we all have to be on guard for all of the terrible proposals that are being debated in the House of Representatives right now and are soon to be debated in the United States Senate, starting with $3.5 trillion of new federal spending with a whole lot of taxes to back it up. And I agree with you that it's great news that wages are going up because it's sorely needed. 
The sad part about it is prices are going up as well right now. How yes. do we um, work on separating that to make sure that, you know what, wages are going up, but, but prices or inflation doesn't get us? The Fed seems to be kind of a, I don't know what you want to say, but asleep at the wheel on this a little bit. And I'm not really suggesting yeah. the Fed do a lot. I'm not a fan of the Fed, as you well know. At the same time, though, hey, we teach to the ideal, uh, and we live in the real a little bit, Pete, right? Yes, yes. And I think it's important for most folks to realize that the after-inflation, after-tax return on your income is the real figure to look at. And those are two factors to unravel here. Not only are rising prices a problem, even if your wages are going up, but rising taxes can be a problem. How much do you have left when you account for the fact that you're paying more at the grocery store, the gas pump, and how much do you have left after you filed your 1040 tax return or paid your property tax bill or done your business tax return if you happen to be self-employed? Those are really important things to keep an eye on. And unfortunately, the trend is that both inflation and taxes appear to be headed up right now. And uh, we have to do our best to make sure that doesn't happen so these wage gains are real, genuine gains. So here's the problem. They say this, here comes the Biden tax bill, Wall Street Journal. What does that all mean? Well, what it means is definitely not what the mainstream media is saying, that, well, these tax increases will only affect the rich, people making more than $400,000 a year. I mean, let's set aside just for a moment sort of the constitutional problem we have with a government singling out any group of people for discriminatory tax treatment. I mean, I, I happen to think that we should all be treated the same uh, we can certainly make provisions in the law to keep taxes from hitting the poorest among us. You know, people ought to be allowed to provide for themselves and for their church before they provide for government. But beyond that, is it right, for example, to impose a tax rate and burden on a dollar-for-dollar basis that's twice as heavy, five times as heavy, ten times as heavy for certain members of our society than for others, that doesn't seem constitutional. Nonetheless, that's what Washington is doing right now. And our challenge is to say, well, wait a minute, we not only have a problem with that, but there's an even bigger problem here, and it's very simple. The middle class will pay for these tax hikes one way or another. And the government's own revenue estimates show us this. That's the most interesting part. You look at the Joint Committee on Taxation's estimates of revenues that would be raised by increasing the corporate tax rate, for example, from 21 to 26, 27, 28 percent. And lo and behold, at the 28 percent mark, there's an estimate that came out recently and it said, OK, this will likely raise uh, 800 uh, billion, a trillion a, a, over 10 years. A hundred billion of that will be borne by people with less than six-figure incomes. How is that possible? It's because 
big corporate tax rate increases slow down wage growth. They slow down hiring. They raise prices that are passed along to consumers. So, again, it's not just big, wealthy businesses that pay for this when taxes are raised on them. It's all of us, the middle class. Pete, they used to mock the trickle-down discussion, but the truth is it does trickle down. Or you could say it doesn't trickle down. Wage increases don't trickle down. Things don't happen that could happen because at the top they have other obligations and, and money goes different places. Now, I agree there's a lot of ways to solve a lot of these problems, but the fact is they're real. And mocking the trickle-down discussion or debating how it all works isn't very helpful. Acknowledging uh, some of the truth on this, that look, it's going to come from somewhere. Okay, the money's going to come from somewhere. And if a rich person has to pay something else, they're just going to let Peter rob Paul. So Peter's the tax, robbing Paul, the consumer, and the rich realize that. And they just say, well, if you force me to direct my income there, then so be it, you know, and etc. Now wages are finally going up, and that's great news. But here comes the Biden tax bill, says the Wall Street Journal. And here's the next headline from the Washington Examiner. Biden's tax hikes are unpopular, and Congress knows it. Are they going to back off in this time of COVID, in this time when the economy's sputtering and we're trying to get it back a rolling? Or are they going to double down and abuse us all? What do you think is going to happen? Are the Republicans going to hold the line in the Senate? What's really going to be the telltale, do you think, Pete? Well, I think we're already starting to see those signs. Uh, For example, we did some polling in several key congressional districts around the country on a variety of fiscal issues. We asked them, for example, how do you feel about the $3.5 trillion 10-year budget plan that President Biden and his allies in Congress have proposed? And this was right before the House of Representatives began filling in the details of this bill. And in these districts, by 60, 65 percent margins, People were disapproving of it. We asked them, are they worried about Congress turning toward energy taxes to try and pay for this massive $3.5 trillion spending bill? Uh, There again, people were very worried about it, and they were already connecting the dots. They were saying, by 60-70% margins, this will raise prices at the pump. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a very complicated economic discussion. Uh, That's what the mainstream wants you to believe. I think it's a very simple economic discussion. I'll explain how. We also want to talk about the debt ceiling and a whole lot more with Pete Sepp, president of the National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. 
vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way. But actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Biden's tax hikes are unpopular, ladies and gentlemen, and Congress knows it. Now, as far as I understand, Joe Biden is starting to get a lot of Democrats, I don't know how to say this, that are going against his agenda. And I find this really, really interesting. The headline says this, President Joe Biden is meeting with, quote, feuding factions of his party in an attempt to save the bulk of his domestic agenda from legislative implosion. The the items at stake are the Democrats sweeping $3.5 trillion. Uh, Anyway, it goes on about the safety net and the bipartisan infrastructure bill and so on. Anyway, the bottom line is people are freaking out about the size and scope of the spending package. Pete, that's right where you were speaking about, right? Yeah, exactly. Our poll results certainly show that. They are scared of inflation by an 82 to 17 percent margin. People said they are worried about the impacts of inflation. Take a look at some of the uh, other questions we asked. I'd just like to point this out because it's, it's really important. We asked, do you agree or disagree that increasing energy taxes like raising taxes on natural gas and oil could affect energy costs for consumers and businesses and risk increasing inflation further? Well, obviously, if they're already concerned about inflation, they're probably going to make this connection that, yeah, this is a real problem. Here you go. 72% agreed with that statement that Raising energy taxes will affect energy costs and risk increasing inflation. Only 20% disagreed. And, of course, in addition to raising those taxes, you're also discouraging production of energy here in the United States. And that's uh, obviously a natural, uh, national security and foreign policy question, too. Do we want to become dependent on foreign sources of energy again after so much progress? This is just a microcosm of one tax policy that people are very worried about. They're way worried about others. And maybe we have reached a turning point in this country 
where voters of very modest means, very modest incomes are saying, you know, I don't believe politicians when they say they're going to tax the other guy to give me benefits. Somehow it always comes back to me in both ways. Yeah, I may get a bigger benefit check from the federal government, but my prices are going to go up or my tax rates are somehow going to be affected. It's going to be passed along to me and I'm not buying it anymore. I'm hoping more and more American people are wising up to this. And I think they are. But even members of the Democratic Party, believe it or not, are miles apart on some of this. You've got the extreme Bidens and the Kamala Harris's and some of those, but then you've got a lot of moderates and a lot of, what are they yes. called, yellow dog Republicans that are concerned about budgetary realities like the rest of us are and everything else. So these people are miles apart, Pete. Yes, they certainly are. In fact, you have uh, Stephanie Murphy of Florida, Democrat. Uh, she uh, calls herself a member of the Democratic Blue Dog Coalition. And, oh, it's Blue uh, Dog, not Yellow Dog. Sorry. Yeah, Blue Dog. And, but she she is a very principled and pragmatic member of Congress, member of the Democratic Party, saying she can't vote for the $3.5 trillion package with all of its tax hikes the way it was proposed when we were witnessing a vote uh, as a committee was marking up their part of this legislation on a 95% excise tax on prescription drug manufacturers. It was a proposal to impose that tax, or they had the option, the manufacturers, of agreeing to negotiate prices directly with the federal government. I mean, that's effectively uh, like pointing a weapon at somebody and saying, uh, do what I say or negotiate with me. <laughs> Uh, not much of a choice there. But negotiate and as I tell you to also. That, that's right. That's right. And <laughs> three three Democrats on that committee objected to it and said, we're not going to vote for it. And the proposal died in committee. So and that, And this is side. where we've got to start, ladies and gentlemen. Right now you see the, the division here. I'm not really into division, but I am into saying, look, this is our opportunity to make the rest of it die. Let me give you an example to kind of highlight the point. They got a sweeping $3.5 trillion, what they call a social safety net, and then the bipartisan infrastructure bill. I, I get some of the infrastructure stuff because we do need to take care of some things in America. Um, uh, you know, I'm not even really for federal roads, but we've got them, so we live in the real, right? We've got to take care of some of those infrastructure things. I get it. But this huge safety net, why would we be looking at raising taxes but yet bailing out a safety net? What if we just don't raise taxes? In fact, we lower taxes. Maybe we won't need to bail out such a big safety net there. Pete? Yeah. Yeah. It, it follows, doesn't it? <laughs> Leave more money in people's pockets, and they can afford to take care of themselves. And again, we're not just talking about rich people here. Raise their taxes and as you say, Sam, there is a trickle-down effect, and the trickle-down means nothing trickles down anymore, and uh, people are no longer necessarily in as good a financial shape as they would have been if they'd never contemplated raising taxes in Washington in the first place. Now, didn't Biden say he wouldn't raise our taxes? That he did. He said that only those households and businesses making more than $400,000 a year would be impacted. And that is manifestly untrue 
the Joint Committee on Taxation in Congress. And remember, this is a, a nonpartisan agency of Congress, and Democrats are in control of Congress right now. This isn't some shadow Republican outfit saying it. They are saying at least 20 percent of all the corporate tax hike will be borne by folks making less than $100,000 a year. There's also a big tax increase on vaping products in the proposal being considered in Congress right now. That's going to affect many households making under 400000 a year. And at the same time, the folks who are using those products to quit smoking are going to be penalized for doing it. That makes no sense. If Again, and if Congress turns to energy taxes, that's going to be a direct hit on the middle class and their pocketbooks because everything runs on energy, everything, and the cost will go up. Uh, the bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, they want you to believe it's kind of like perpetual motion when it comes to power, Pete. You know, a lot of people say, yeah, we can create perpetual motion. The problem is nobody's done it, right? Because it defies reality. If you take something from somewhere, it's got to come out of something else. Okay, there's not yeah. just this infinite um, import of uh, energy or money or something. It comes from somewhere. Okay, and you can't rob Peter to pay Paul. It comes out of something. It just does. And it doesn't matter if it's money or energy or whatever it is. And so my point is that, you know what, we got to realize no matter how Biden pitches it, whether he lies and says he won't raise taxes and now it turns out that his plan will, it's a very simple process. This is not an economic, you got to have a degree discussion. You just got to know this. <laughs> if they're going to spend more money, they got to bring in more money. If they got to bring in more money, it's got to come from somewhere. I mean, isn't that as kitchen table as it gets, Pete? Yeah, it is. And there are those who say, well, we could borrow the money. Well, borrowing is nothing but deferred taxes on somebody else. We can say. Hold on. I want you to say, hold on. That was so brilliant. I want you to say that again, sir. Borrowing is nothing but deferred taxes on somebody else. It means that if we're going to borrow a dollar now, we or somebody else is going to have to pay it back later. And that's precisely the problem with our 28-plus trillion dollar national debt. You know, it was Barack Obama who said, not raising the debt ceiling is irresponsible. It's like walking into a restaurant, getting the bill and leaving before paying it. Well, raising the debt ceiling is no better. That's like getting the bill handing it to a kid in the high chair at the table next to you and saying, you take care of it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that simple. Don't let people believe or, you know, let people deceive you into thinking, oh, you've got to let somebody else who knows more about economics, um, you know, deal with these issues. Your simple knowledge about how to run your family or your business is plenty. Okay, whether it's on a small scale of a single individual, a large family, a small business, a larger business, the principles are the same. You cannot get money from nowhere. Okay, you cannot get funding from nowhere. Government creates nothing in terms of wealth. So whatever government takes from us, in order for them to give it back to us, there's a heavy overhead in the middle. That's government. We gotta understand that the only way we're gonna do better is if we spend less. 
When we get back, we'll talk about that with Pete Sepp and the, uh, and the debt ceiling. What's going to happen and more. Pete Sepp, National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org, Liberty Roundtable Live. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Price. Senators held a closed-door briefing Wednesday with three DOD officials about the Afghanistan debacle. Republican Senator Joni Ernst with the Senate Armed Services Committee tells Fox News DOD officials were playing games with the senators. We had a closed-door briefing from three DOD officials, one of them being the DOD policy chief, civilian Colin Call. He was very, very dismissive of our senators and their questions. He gave immature responses and it, very simple things. A number of them surrounding the Afghan nationals that were evacuated, the numbers of those evacuees and the security questions and concerns surrounding those evacuees. He could not answer those questions. He could not respond to any questions we asked about the threat assessments on the ground in Afghanistan. USA Radio News. You take steps to stay healthy. When at the pharmacy, picking up vitamins or filling a prescription. May I help you? Take another healthy step right now and ask the pharmacist how Prevnar 13 can help protect you from pneumococcal pneumonia, a potentially serious bacterial lung disease. If you're 65 or older, a trip to the pharmacy is a lot more pleasant than a trip to the hospital because of pneumococcal pneumonia. Help protect yourself with the Prevnar 13 pneumococcal 13 valent conjugate vaccine, diphtheria CRM197 protein. Prevnar 13 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 13 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 13 does not protect against all strains of the disease. Stop by the pharmacy today and ask about Prevnar 13. Learn more at Prevnar13.com. Don't get Prevnar 13 if you have had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with a weakened immune system may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most commonly reported side effect was pain at the injection site. For additional common side effects and full prescribing information, please call 1-866-694-9300 or visit Prevnar13.com. As the border crisis continues at the U.S.-Mexico border, thousands upon thousands of Haitians illegally entered the United States and were kept at bay by severely outnumbered Border Patrol agents. Keeping in mind this confrontation would not have happened if the border wall was completed. Tim Berg from the Phoenix USA Radio News Bureau has more. The Biden administration is investigating whether reins being held by Border Patrol on horseback were used to whip Haitian illegal immigrants trying to get into the United States. President of the National Border Patrol Council Brandon Judd tells Fox News he's confident agents weren't misusing the reins which he says are for keeping people away from danger when getting too close to the horses. None of our agents strike people with those reins. It doesn't happen, and it didn't happen in this case, which is why I welcome this investigation. These agents will be exonerated. Thanks for listening. We are USA Radio News. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Pete Sapp, president of National Taxpayers Union, on your radio. So, Pete, we're kind of backing into taxes and the debt ceiling and talking about a lot of, in a way, very complicated stuff. But I submit to you, it's not that complicated, folks. It's very simple. No matter where you tax, the money comes out of somewhere. And if you tax the rich, they're just going to divert some of their money to those taxes and not to 
you or me or anybody else who might work for those people, etc. If you tax the rich, then they're not going to fund other projects they might normally fund. If they're going to do a charitable event or something that would, would benefit society, hey, if the taxes take the money, they're just going to say, I guess I can't do that other stuff now. And money comes from somewhere. And government never produces any wealth at all. That's a fundamental thing to understand, Pete. Yes, that's exactly right. Government can certainly enact policies that get out of the way of wealth creation and production, or perhaps even encourage it in the private sector. But the public sector does not in and of itself generate a net wealth benefit. It depends upon it. And again, per your mention of infrastructure earlier, government can help to provide the conditions to allow for a growing economy, but government doesn't do it on its own. Unless, of course, uh, you get into dangerous policies like just printing more money. And that's certainly not what we want to see here in the United States. Uh, Other countries and other regimes throughout history have tried that, and it hasn't worked. Printing more money, ladies and gentlemen, just creates the hidden tax called inflation. That's all that it does in the long term, ladies and gentlemen. Short term, you might feel a little bit of sugar high. But in the reality, it will take its toll. And on the back end, the unseen tax uh, is inflation, where people don't really know. The Biden plan will raise taxes on the middle class, ladies and gentlemen. Make no mistake about it. Now, Pete, let me make sure I have your quote right. Here's the quote from Pete Sepp. Borrowing is nothing but deferred taxes on somebody else. Exactly. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. And I really want that to sink home. And I know I've repeated it several times, but there's a reason because it is that simple. When you borrow money, you're just putting the burden on your children and your grandchildren. Someday it will have to be dealt with. And that's why I want to talk more about the debt ceiling, Pete Set, because I submit to you that the debt ceiling is a farce. Now, it was put in place in 1917, ladies and gentlemen, and it was designed to help slow down government spending. But ladies and gentlemen, if they just spend, spend, spend and hit the debt ceiling and spend, spend, spend and hit the debt ceiling and spend, spend, spend and hit the debt ceiling, then they either raise the debt ceiling or suspend the debt ceiling. It's a farce, Pete. Yeah, it certainly is. And of course, we hear a lot from Treasury secretaries. Uh, They say this, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, that it would be irresponsible uh, to not approve an increase in the debt ceiling uh, if you're Holding out against an increase in the debt ceiling, you're risking the collapse of the United States economy and uh, the confidence of investors in uh, wanting to buy up our debt. Well, I don't disagree with that. The problem here, of course, is it's also irresponsible for members of Congress to have ever approved that much spending in the first place that's leading to the debt. Why do we keep doing that? It's investor confidence in the United States is going to keep dropping if we don't do something to get federal spending and taxes under control. Investors appreciate stability. And while they might react to members of Congress stalling on approving the debt ceiling, they're also taking a look at the long term horizon and they're seeing this Congress, this government, like past governments, have not been serious about getting federal spending under control. 
But I do have this question, Pete. It seems to me that if we chopped off a lot of the foreign aid that we're giving out to countries left and right, if we were to find a few simple, uh, every department go through and truly identify waste and be accountable for their budgets in a meaningful way, and then we were to reduce reduce the foreign aid and foreign expenditures, I believe we could probably prevent the debt ceiling from having to be increased. If we made a concerted effort to say, no more of this, we're going to pay our own way through life of the federal government without having to depend on future generations picking up the tab. If we approach the topic with enough serious forethought, yes, we could do that. And I bring that up, ladies and gentlemen, because I believe that's the hope, right? We're not just going to say, hey, we're just going to pile it on and get rid of the debt ceiling and one generation will just eventually melt right on down. Uh, The hope is that we can, in our generation, take responsibility, be truly responsible, not raise the debt feeling, reduce foreign aid, reduce uh, waste in in federal spending, reduce programs that don't make sense, um, tighten our belt a little bit. And I think Rand Paul had one of the greatest ways to do that. Here's what he said. I think we need a penny plan. And what we're going to do is we're going to reduce our expenditures by one penny out of every dollar. And that's all we're going to do for now. And then we're going to eventually do another penny, but but not now. We're just going to do a penny for now. And that's fundamentally where responsibility starts. Pete? Yes, it absolutely is. And for those who say, well, that's just Rand Paul talking. No, there are other members of Congress who support that concept. And I'll tell you about one, and I won't reveal their name yet. This is a member of Congress who's sponsoring legislation called the Audit the Pentagon Act. And this legislation would say very simply to agencies within the Department of Defense, you know, the Navy Department or the Missile Defense Agency, all the, the whole gaggle of them who are under the umbrella of the Pentagon. Look, you have three more years. I, be- I believe it's three years. I'm, I might be mistaken, but you have a certain period of time in order to pass a clean financial audit, meaning that you have to know where the money came from, where it's going. You have to know your inventories, you, all of the basic accounting details that any private business in the United States has to know. You've got to do this within a certain period of time, obtain that clean financial audit, or your budget is going to be cut by a penny on every dollar, 1%. The sponsor of that legislation is none other than Senator Bernie Sanders. So, (laughs) no, what Rand Paul is proposing is not quite the same, but there is some agreement on the concept that we've got to start doing things differently in government. And I don't expect Bernie Sanders to support a penny plan across the board. But what I'm saying is there's enough, uh, uh, enough ideas out there among lawmakers that we can say, all right, we're going to take you at your word and pursue each one of these ideas. Uh, they, you may not agree on all of them, but if we put them all together, we can make some real progress. No matter what, ladies and gentlemen, what we need to do is balance the budget. We don't need some uh, another 
uh, an amendment to the Constitution or something to balance the budget, they'll just violate that. We don't need another debt ceiling. They'll just go ahead and suspend and or raise the ceiling. Okay, what we've got to do is take direct action, whether you like Rand Paul's penny plan or whether you like the other plan that Pete Sepp mentioned or not. I'm not here to debate the best way to do it. I'm here to basically say these options are on the table. And what it's really going to take is the American people to start rallying behind some of these options to really give them traction. It's one thing for a Rand Paul to stand in the Congress chambers and, and tell you about it and then get voted down. It's another thing for enough Americans to back Rand Paul to get it traction enough to where the media can't ignore it and Congress can't ignore it. And that's really what we're looking for and that National Taxpayers Union and other organizations can really make that a reality, Pete. Yes, they absolutely can. And, you know, once again, the American people have taken the lead on this already. We can ask every person in America today this simple question. During the last year, during the pandemic, which has gone on more than a year now, how much did you cut your household budget by? My guess is most people would say a lot more than 1%. We had to make ends meet during very difficult times. Uh, I don't believe there were many households in America who said, oh, yeah, we actually got even richer. I'm, I'm thinking most people had to stretch a bit. When we can ask the American people that question and they answer 5%, 10%, even more, then we ask them the second question. Well, why can't Congress and the White House agree on cutting just 1% from Washington's budget? If we ask those two questions and get the answers, I think we are going to get those answers on. Most people are going to say, yeah, the penny plan is a smart idea, and it's time we actually did it instead of just talking about it. And there are also the naysayers that would say, you know, a penny's not enough, Sam. We've got to get this done. We've got to take a serious knife to this. we got to... And Rand Paul's right, though. You know what? I appreciate that we need to cut the government by 50, 75 percent or whatever number you want to use. But we teach to the ideal and we live in the real. When we come back, I want Pete to respond to that because the way they've taken away our liberties, the way they've spended us into oblivion is by, well, they didn't do it all at once. It was little bit by a little bit by a little incremental reality check. That's the way back as well. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live with Pete Sepp. NTU.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly. But I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. 
More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. All right, Pete Sepp, National Taxpayers Union. He's the president thereof, NTU.org, doing a phenomenal job. They're polling their research, their proposals, uh, their partnerships all across the country at all levels, by the way. If you want to start a local uh, tax-affecting chapter in your area, get a hold of NTU.org. They'll help. They'll give you guidance. They'll even partner with some dollars and cents uh, if the appropriate organizations are set up, etc., Biden plan will raise taxes on the middle class, ladies and gentlemen. Make no mistake about that reality check. And Pete Sepp, quote, borrowing is nothing but deferred taxes on somebody else. Quote from myself, the debt ceiling is a farce. Senator Rand Paul introduces penny plan, balanced budget discussions, if you will. But Pete Sepp asked an incredible question before the break that I want to reiterate. And then I want to ask a follow-up question to Pete's. Here it is. How much did you reduce spending over the last year? Can we force government to do the same is my question. Can we force government to do the same? And I'm going to even borrow a phrase from Barack Obama, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we can. What do you say to that, Pete? (laughs) We absolutely can. And yes, to your point that there are lots of folks out there who are saying, but a penny on each dollar is just not enough. Well, I don't disagree with that. Unfortunately, if we don't start somewhere, we won't get anywhere. That's the point. We've got to start someplace. And Rand Paul, as you point out, certainly would like to see federal spending reduced by more than 1%. But he's introducing legislation because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where we have to make practical progress toward the goal we all seek. You've got to get on that road first. You've got to accelerate the automobile slowly at first until you're rolling down the road at a steady pace and you can pick up that pace. Once people realize that they can do 1% easily, we then say, all right, well, let's try for 3%. Let's try for 5%. And we'll find out along the way that the automobile of our economy, of the federal government, is not going to crash on the side of the road by taking it a little easier. So the question becomes, how much is the United States budget, if we were to not borrow a penny or whatever else, how much is the United States budget right now? It's an interesting question, because do we include all of this pandemic aid that's been recently voted on? I mean, if right now federal outlays are running above $5 trillion a year. 
Uh, in normal years before the pandemic, it was more like three and a half, four trillion dollars. All right. So do you know what one percent of five trillion dollars is, ladies and gentlemen? It's 50 billion. That's all it is. And I think about that and I think, can't we do that? Why are we having a hard time getting that done? Bipartisan shut Rand Paul down. Now, there's a lot of people that agree with him, but obviously not enough, right? But why can't we do that? Only $50 billion? You would think you could do that. I mean, they literally throw $50 billion here and there everywhere all the time. Can't we do $50 billion? Yes. And, and to your point, Sam, okay, I'm not trying to pick on the Pentagon here. I know we were talking about defense spending earlier, but... While the debate was going on over the uh, trillion-dollar infrastructure package, a group of senators, Democrats and Republicans, said, hey, we want to amend this package with a $50 billion increase in defense spending. And we managed to shoot down that amendment, saying it's, it's not relevant to this infrastructure package. And anyway, the Pentagon's already getting about $750 billion a year. So that was a single vote to try and spend $50 billion. That's what we're talking about here. These votes to increase spending by that much money occur all the time. It's not a big deal to find $50 billion going the other way. And that's why I say if you look at foreign aid, if you look at the Pentagon, if you look at wasteful programs, if you say, listen, I need everybody across your budgets to turn in, uh, you know, 1% less, you're going to have to find them. It wouldn't impact anybody if you did it across the whole $5 trillion uh, budgetary reality that we face right now. I'm telling you right now, nobody would even notice. Pete? Yeah. They really wouldn't. That's right. That's right. And it's not to say that uh, the federal government uh, is totally useless, that doesn't do anything valuable. Of course there are functions that we deem very important. And we debate over how many of those functions should be maintained and how big they should be and how much should they do. Fine, but that doesn't mean at 100% or 105% or 110% is where we should be taking government right now. It should be 99%, 98%, 95%. Getting 95% of what you ask for every year for 10 years would, to most folks, be a very satisfactory situation. It's something you could plan on. It's something that you could adjust to. We don't do that in government enough. There is hope, because I believe I've been at this 25 years. As you know, we're celebrated our 25th year celebration of Liberty Roundtable Live on the air. I was on the radio before that, so I've been in the radio business and in the media for about 30 years, but 25 years doing Liberty Roundtable Live, most of it syndicated as well. Um, I get that we need to do a little bit at a time. I get that we can't get it all done at once. I get that we got to work towards it a little bit at a time. But I have seen, Pete Sepp, in the last probably three years, more people waking up to the reality of our situation than I did in the first 22 I kid you not, Americans are starting to get it. People who used to just roll their eyes at me now come up and talk about these things and bring up these things and express their concerns and um, articulate, hey, something's wrong. We got to do this or that. And and the, a lot of the opposition, I mean, I used to be considered radical. Now I'm considered pretty mainstream. Not because yeah. I've changed, 
Not because I've changed, Pete. I haven't changed a bit. You've been on the radio with me 25 years. You know, I'm saying the th- <laughs> same things I've always said, right? That's right. But because people are realizing the truth now like never before. Is that what you're seeing, too? Yeah, definitely. So they're finally saying to themselves, well, wait a minute. Um, if Congress's approval rating is so low and I'm among the people answering those polls, I'm not having confidence in the leadership in Washington, D.C. on basic issues. Well, that's one and the same. Um, if, if I'm expressing that lack of confidence and I feel that I know why I'm expressing that lack of confidence, then, you know, maybe the American people are a little smarter about these fiscal policy issues than the political class give us credit for. Maybe, just maybe, our input, our everyday experiences, all of our professional knowledge in the things we do every day could actually be put into practice in Washington and make things better. We're realizing that accountants, doctors, lawyers, auto mechanics, people with everyday experiences in the modern private sector can bring that expertise to government and improve it. And just maybe, ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, right, we the people might need to flex our muscles a little peacefully here. But you know what? Start to insist, hey, you're going to cut the budget or we're going to find somebody who will. You're going to go ahead and put a halt on this spending. So will they uh, flat out raise the debt ceiling? They will, huh? My, yeah, that's my bet. That's my bet. I, I do think, though, that this is another teachable moment for Congress if the American people insist upon it. We can win certain reforms right now in exchange for that vote that they're likely going to cast. And that's what we need to focus on. And we need to do that at the local level, too, as, as I was just talking about. This pool of talent that's among all Americans can be applied to local budgetary solutions, too. If, do you work in a computer store? Well, demand to see what your local government is spending on computers and say, wait a minute, you really need this equipment? Uh, if you're an auto mechanic and you say, Uh, I want to see the budget of uh, what my local government is spending on school buses. And you say, what in the world are you doing paying this much for the maintenance of these things? I know how much it costs. Every American from every walk of life has knowledge that can be applied toward making government more efficient and working better. And has influence beyond their vote, as you wisely say. We can take peaceful action. We can hold them accountable. First, it's to bring it to the attention of we the people. Secondly, it's then to assert that, hey, we can do it better, faster, cheaper, smarter, more efficiently, or not at all, depending on the situation. That's our role. And voting is great, and we should do that, but there's a lot more. And it's activism. Some say political activism. I don't call it political activism. I call it American activism. You're caring for America. You're interested in preserving what we have for the next generations. You're not into politics and arguing about things and and just having a a meltdown division. You're interested in constructively improving this country, trying to, as a Boy Scout would say, leave it better than you found it. That's all we're talking about, right, Pete? Yes. It's about stewardship. And even if you don't necessarily have a concept of the next generation, who they will be like, what they'll be doing— 
You can do it for the here and now as well. You can make a difference that will be felt and appreciated almost right away. I mean, that's what folks do through these local taxpayer groups and putting laws on the ballot for the whole electorate to vote on that limit the growth rate of taxes or say that, uh, no, you're going to have to sharpen your pencils and do a better job at budgeting. Those things can pay off right away for the current generation, not just future generations. And if you need help, if you need guidance, if you need support, if you need a partner, if you will, you know, I always hear these radio commercials where they say you've got a friend in the diamond business. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've got a friend in the tax accountability business. You've got a friend in the tax reduction business called National Taxpayers Union. We've been interviewing them for 25 years, ladies and gentlemen, really close to. And I'm telling you right now that they provide some of the most cogent, organized, nonpartisan uh, solutions that you can find anywhere. Their research is stellar. Their documentation is fantastic. Their partnerships and their reach out are just amazing. And all the way from the local level. All the way up to Congress, they've got partnerships and programs and solutions and support and research and, and et cetera, blueprints, if you will, what have been done in other places, all the way through to help you, ladies and gentlemen. So learn about NTU.org today. Pete, we've only got seconds, but have, we, have I left out anything important? Uh, except that I'd like to congratulate you for your 25th anniversary. It's been a fantastic ride, and I'm hoping for 25 years more. Amen to that. And it's people like you that make the roundtable happen. It isn't about, it's not called the Sam Bushman Show. It's Liberty Roundtable because our goal is to bring groups to the table to where everybody can keep in touch with what's happening in one incredible location. We're grateful for your partnership and your friendship, sir. Godspeed. We'll chat soon. Take care. There he goes, Pete Sepp, always doing a phenomenal job on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. President of National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org. I'm Sam Bushman, two hours in the can. Great talk radio. Thank you so much for being alongside for the ride. Solutions at your fingertips is one of our claims to fame. This is Solutions Radio. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net, the websites. Donate liberally today. Free and on-demand radio at your fingertips. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the republic. Yeah.